first thing I wanted to say is I want to say to uh, just thanks everybody in Eastgate for helping build Eastgate. Um, and uh, you'll get more idea of what I'm talking about as I, as I go on to speak. But it just is an extraordinary privilege to uh, give our lives together to build something which God is using uh, to help change the world. Uh, we're not the only ones. That's what all churches are meant to be. Um, and this is our particular part of it. But uh, just a, such a such a privilege. And I just want to say thank you because without knowing it, what you what you help create is a whole environment which people enter into. It. And you, you might not see many of those people um, because this building is busy during the week. There's all sorts of people who come and go here. But the whole atmosphere that gets created here and the whole, whole sort of attitudes that are here are impacting people uh, enormously and immensely. Um, and uh, so last weekend we had the Heaven in Healthcare conference here and a few days before that the healing school, both of which were amazing. Um, and the Heaven in Healthcare conference where we gathered about 120 people who work in the realm of healthcare was just a, a great, great uh, experience. We've been doing it for a number of years now, um, but I think that any one of us who've been there for many of them, uh, Katie over there, we just think that the, the trajectory is just onwards and upwards. Um, and uh, people just getting it, there's, there's so much more going on. And it was interesting, uh, earlier this week, um, I got sent a prophecy uh, that Sean Boltz had actually given. I don't know when he gave it, but it's recent, I think. Um, I'm pretty certain it's recent. So this is what Sean Boltz, if you don't know who Sean Boltz is, Sean Boltz is, is a, a prophet um, who has got a massive voice in the world and I think has helped to redefine the context of prophecy. His great book called Translating God is one I'd recommend to anybody. Um, <clears throat> but this is what Sean Boltz saw and he, he has, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure whether it's a gift or what it is, but he has, has, has experiences of going up into heavenly places and encountering uh, heaven's perspective on things. Um, and this is one of the things he said recently. I had a vision, and from God's Father's heart, I saw us entering into unusual medical grace, an end to many modern diseases through medical science, especially cancer. <clears throat> Isn't that good? I saw papers being published with results, and the date started in 2020. So we're not, not far off that. And it will be the beginning of a decade of medical breakthroughs. Whew. How about that? Now, <clears throat> that, that, that is phenomenal. That's what we've been uh, praying for and looking for for many years because we've always celebrated great medicine alongside the miracles that God does. Um, but for many years I've said actually that the one, if you want evidence of when Jesus said, you know, you, you'll do my works, but even greater works, evidence of greater works of Jesus are uh, the eradication of dis- disease. Jesus healed disease, um, every disease, and we get to see amazing miracles happen of healing. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm mindful of when I went to Mexico a number of years ago and saw some amazing miracles. And um, a baby, or 18-month-old girl, who died because of amoebic dysentery, um, we raised her from the dead. <coughs> God raised her from the dead. Um, but we were involved in that. But the, the tragedy of that place was that 25% of the children died of amoebic dysentery before the age of five in that place. 25%. Imagine that as a statistic. One in four children dying needlessly. And the reason was that they were so hopeless as, as a, a people group, 15,000 of them in this sort of remote mountainous place. They were so 
fatalistic in accepting whatever came their way, that they, they didn't boil, despite medical advice to do so, they didn't boil their drinking water, which came from the rivers and was full of amoebae. Uh, if they boiled the water, uh, their kids would have been safe. But because they didn't, uh, nearly all their children got amoebic dysentery and 25% of them died. That's tragic, isn't it? Anyway, 1995, God did some miracles there. Hope arrived, literally. Miracles kept on happening. Another child was raised from the dead. Um, and, uh, and when I went back to visit it a year later, the most significant thing that in my mind was that Hope arrived. They now started, had started boiling their water. Now, the, the, the key to that is, you see, although it's great that a child was raised from the dead, it would have been much better if she hadn't died in the first place. So sometimes we hold these miracles up as, as the ultimate. They aren't. They're not the ultimate. They are a demonstration of the goodness of God. But actually we're meant to be on planet Earth to change the Earth so that these things don't just happen in the first place. And, and med- medicine is, is, is a part of that. So to see this starting to be celebrated. Now, this is, I want you to hear, because we got a feedback um, from somebody who came to the conference and I'm gonna, I've anonymized it as best I can because I think it's... it's it's helpful. Anyway, just say with somebody, this is the third time that they've been along to the conference, and I wanted to thank you for nurturing this vision. Um, and this person uh, works in the area of cancer research, and she says at the moment she's working in a team that are looking for ways to wake up the immune system to cure cancer. What have you just heard from Sean Bolts? <laughs> and I've always struggled, now this is, listen to this, I've always struggled with the dichotomy between medicine, medicine and the supernatural. That is common, and, and she articulates the reasons why. At work, surrounded by scientists, I found it hard to speak of my faith. And in church, where supernatural healing was chased, I found it hard to deal with a rational medical voice in my head. Listen to this. In both worlds, listen, this is, this is, this is what I've been trying to, she articulates this so well, this is, this is the, the tension that it often meets people, try, Christians trying to work in the world of healthcare. In both worlds, so in, in both the workplace and the church place, in both worlds, I was inadequate and lost. The conference and your talk on Saturday, in particular, was mind-blowing, and for the first time, I felt it was possible that God had a plan for both these parts of me, and it was okay that it was going to be different to anything done before. How exciting! I write this on the train for a day of reviewing, reviewing grants, and rather than fret about the pile of paperwork and data not yet reviewed, how exciting to believe and pray for cures for cancer in this generation. So that, that's a lady who suddenly has a completely different perspective on, on how, her life, and you helped create that. You're part of Eastgate, you, you helped to create the atmosphere into which she walked. We, we all play a part, if you're part of Eastgate, we all play a part in creating Eastgate. It's not just that we have some conferences, we actually are creating something. Um, and another, one of the speakers, one of the speakers that came along, she said, she just sent a letter thanking us saying, I felt f- so free to be me amongst you and deliver what, what I had to give. And she was amazing. So, so, so I want to just say thank you because obviously this is, a, this is a big thing for me, but, when we talk about heaven in healthcare, um, that's just a bit of the world that we focus on. But our lives are heaven in everything. You know, it's not. This is not the thought. Oh, we've got this, that healthcare's got something special going on. 
it's got the same thing going on as the rest of the world can have going on, as long as you recognise the potential that is within you, which is what I'm going to try and talk about today. We're all meant to be heaven on earth. So heaven in work is not a, not a new idea, it's always been God's plan. Heaven on school, heaven in home, heaven, it's, it's all part of the plan, it's just we're actually understanding it in greater measure. So, um, <clears throat> last Sunday, Joaquin uh, was here, and um, if you have not heard his, his messages from last Sunday, then I would suggest it'd be a great idea for you to go on, on the website and listen to them. Um, but particularly last Sunday morning, uh, Sunday morning, he was talking about um, us being on an apostolic assignment. Um, he was using Ezekiel 47, and <clears throat> he was just saying that actually every one of us, every Christian, is caught up um, with an apostolic assignment into the world. That doesn't mean, mean you're an apostle. Apostles create apostolic environments where you can pick up the apostolic for your assignment into the world. That's, that's what it means. You live in a place that's got an apostolic environment. You, you, you understand what it means to be apostolic and you start to live in the, in, in the, the, the power of that. <coughs> um, and um, oh, Joaquin was just basically <laughs> pointing us in the direction that, that every one of us uh, have the opportunity to live in the river of God. Um, but he actually was using Ezekiel 47. It says, Is it possible for you to be in the river and enjoy the river without understanding the potential of the river? That's what he was saying. It's possible to actually be in Christian meetings, have a really great time, come here for a... And think, wow, that East Coast, they have amazing Sunday meetings. Well, yeah, they do. Um, but that's not the point. The, the point is you get in a river, not just so you have a splash around and come back for another splash around, but actually you get in the river because where the river flows, there is life and it brings life wherever it flows um, now I'm not going to go into the difference between flowing and getting caught in a swamp because actually it does say where the, where, where the river got caught out where there's no outlet to it, it it doesn't create life but as long as the river's flowing through you it will create life wherever it goes wherever you are you have life to give away this is exciting. This is, this is good. This is, so we start to get excited about this because we are the most powerful people on planet Earth. Okay, so, so have you got the most powerful being inside you? Yes, he's called the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not just a good idea. He's God. He, he is the God who created the universe. That's a pretty powerful force you have inside you. And again, I was saying to the the guys that, you know, in, in the health uh, arena last week, that, that we are the most powerful people that exist in our part of the world. And we need to get rid of the idea, or it's a lie, I said it's a lie to believe that <coughs> the National Health Service is actually short of resources if I'm in it. Yeah, we, we bought into this lie that actually there is... Now, you could say, well, it's obvious there's a lack of resources. And I know I talk about it in, in human terms, there's a lack of resources, but there's a lack of resources around the world. And everybody's struggling for, you know, resources. <coughs> but we aren't. We, we are, I'm not lacking resources. I have the God of the universe. And he's... And I was talking about this last, Sunday, last Saturday with the thing. He, he creates stuff out of nothing. He doesn't need something to create something. Does that? <laughs> so he, he, he's not short of resources. Oh, goodness, running out. Um, what are we going to do? He, he can take nothing and make it something. 
tells you that very clearly in the Bible. Like it's in Romans, it's in... Yeah. So, so if he's inside me, you think, well, what have I got to offer? All you need to offer yourself. The, um, the story that, that probably helps illustrate this as many as any in, in the Bible is the story when Elisha um, and his servant are in the city of Dothan and they're surrounded by an enemy army. And basically the, the king of Aram has actually eventually found out where Elisha is because Elisha's been seeing all his plans and helping the Israelite nation avoid uh, the king of Aram. But eventually they found Elisha and they've surrounded the place and they did it overnight and in the morning Elisha's servant wakes up and he looks out and he's understandably concerned, alarmed, whatever you like to call it, um, fearful because he looks out and there's this big army surrounding them that have come specifically for them. And if you're with Elisha, you're, you're in the same boat as Elisha. So this guy's looking. So he wakes up Elisha and says basically, hey, Master, we're in trouble. And what I think is the most <laughs> interesting part of this story is, is Elisha's response. So Elisha, Elisha wakes up and he has a quick look around and says, oh no, not a problem. Not a problem because there's more of us than there are of them. Now, this is a story where the, the, I say the servant has a choice of what he believes at this moment in time. Because you can do you can do the maths on on the human level and say mm, there's one two of us and hold on this doesn't look right so you've got the conclusion either Elisha's bad at maths over optimistic deceived a liar or mad I think I think they're the sort of the, the, the basic, basically the ideas that you've got or the the other alternative is that Elisha can see something he can't. That, that's the alternative. The, 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 Elisha can see something that you can't see with human eyes. And now Elisha doesn't go into panic mode. He doesn't start asking God for help. He doesn't call a prayer meeting. He doesn't panic. What he says, what does he say? He says, open his eyes. Open his eyes, and immediately, it says, immediately the servant's eyes are opened, and he saw the resources of heaven that had already been given. Now, what is important is that the resources had already been given. Elisha didn't ask for them to be given. He just could see what is already given. So I want to spend the next 25 minutes helping you understand what you've already been given. Would that be good? Because it's foolish to keep asking for something you've already got. If you've already got something, you're meant to get on and use it to change the world. So if we keep crying out for resources that we've already got, we won't recognise the ones that... You with me? So, anyway, this, this all fits into uh, Galatians chapter 3. So can we bring up Galatians chapter 3, the first bit? Okay, verse 14. This is following on from a couple of weeks ago I was preaching about the end result of, the, of preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ is not just that we get forgiven but that we end up receiving the Holy Spirit the, 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 the truth of the gospel um, was determined by one question did you receive the spirit by believing 
or by doing works? And the answer to that is you receive the Spirit because of the grace of God by believing that it's a, he's a gift, that the company is salvation, and with him, not, 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 you don't just get forgiveness, you get power and resources to live your Christian life and change the world and to overflow. Okay, so... In that context, this verse says, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, this refers back to Genesis chapter 12, where God appeared to Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you, and then through you I'm going to bless the whole world. That's the promise. He said, I'm going to bless you, and then through you I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. Okay, so when it talks about the promise, it's going, going back to that. We'll keep on putting that out. So the blessing given to Abraham was that he was going to be so blessed that the world was going to be blessed. Now, that is to do with overflow. It's not a separate thing. It's not like, okay, Abraham, I'm going to bless the world, and then after I've blessed you, I'm, I'm gonna, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, then after that, separately, I'm going to bless the world. It's not what it says. It says, I'm going to bless you, and then through you, I'll bless the world. So that's, this is, this is, he's got enough blessing inside him to bless the world. It's an overflow statement. How many people did God need to choose to say he was going to bless all the nations on earth? One. See, God's not short of resources, even within one person. So, So that's the promise. And the promise is this, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So the ultimate blessing you can receive is God himself. Because it's, it's, it's easy for us to um, seek the blessings of God, but miss the fact that we've got God. So, so if you've got God, the blessing flows. But actually, if you, if you just seek God but don't realize you have the full resource of him inside you, then your expectation is you're going to have to keep coming back for blessing. But you've actually got a river of blessing inside you. It's called the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, you know, come to me and you'll have a river of living water flowing through you. So you actually, and and the Bible interprets that, it says, by this he meant the Spirit. So we have the promise of the Holy Spirit inside us. And this likens this to, to Abraham. So the outcome has got to be that the world gets blessed. All the nations. Now, what's exciting again? Just in the realms of heaven and healthcare, we're trying to keep up, aren't we, team? We're sort of. I want to say thank you to Patrick and Felicity in particular for last for doing a great job, and particularly last weekend, doing a fantastic job. But what we, we are now trying to keep up with five different nations. We've got the UK, uh, South Africa, USA. Holland and Germany in particular actually now engaged with heaven in healthcare. So pray for us because we're, we're, we're running fast to keep up, but we're not, we're not uh, daunted by it. We're just saying, wow, God's doing amazing things. He literally is blessing the world. And who helped create that? You did. Because this sits as part of Eastgate. It's all part of what we do together. <coughs> okay. Let's go down to verse 18. I think we need to flip across the next page. Verse 18 says, For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. 
But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Now what I'm linking there together is, see when the promise, (coughs) the blessing and the promise go together, and the promise talks about inheritance. You, You tying all these things together? I'm just trying to take you on a thread of thought. So have you got an inheritance? Okay, when did you get it? Soon as you were born again. Once you were born again, you become a son or daughter of the living God, and you get an inheritance. Now, again, inheritances basically come to you, normally speaking, when somebody dies. Now, I think in the past, we, we think we'll get our inheritance when we die. That's not how you get an inheritance. You get an inheritance when somebody else dies. Not when you die. That's a bit late, usually. Too late to do anything with it. <clears throat> Jesus died, so we have an inheritance. It all goes together with the promise. What's the greatest inheritance you think you can have? I've already fed you the answer. It's actually the Holy Spirit, because he isn't sure. <laughs> That's it. How, how, what's the potential of your inheritance? You think, uh, well, if he can create something out of nothing, it literally is limitless. This is, all, this is all resident inside every one of us. If you're born again, this is this is this is you. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, no, I don't, I don't need to say that. Right. Let's go down to verse 28, 29. Uh, there we are. Okay. Now this is a further on in Galatians chapter three. It starts to distinguish stuff. It says, "There's neither Jew." nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. What they're saying is basically <coughs> the gospel takes away any human distinctions. So there is no inferior, superior. This is all about equality. So if we don't get equality right, then we won't get freedom right. Because we'll create distinctives within Christianity that places some above others. Once you've got superiority, inferiority uh, stuff going on, you actually haven't got the full truth of the gospel. Because basically saying there is no distinction. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the... So if you belong to Christ, you have the promise. Now, every one of us, if we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit inside us. And you don't get a, a version that needs to be upgraded. And he comes complete. He, he doesn't divide himself down. You get the fullness of God dwelling in you. And he doesn't get fuller. But the, the, the joy is the discovery of who he is and, and the release of the fullness of that inheritance in us and through us. Okay. So, it doesn't matter whether, what ethnic background you got, all the same. It doesn't matter your social status, how much money you've got. It doesn't matter <coughs> what gender you are. It's all the same. Why? Because you've got the same holiday. Now, the key thing then is, oh, how's this work? Well, the, the key to understanding this is, is, <coughs> That we're equal but different. But different doesn't mean in, in unequal. 
So equality doesn't mean the same. Okay? I think sometimes we think that. So equal means all the same. It doesn't. Some people say when they ask me about how Eastgate operates in terms of, you know, church leadership and structure. They say, oh, you've got a really flat structure. I said, no, we don't have a flat structure. We have a, we have a whole mountain range. We got, we got, <laughs> you've got a whole mountain range of gifting where you should, you should see what goes on there, 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 there. There's so many mountains around here you can't keep track of them all. Now, people are phenomenal in their area of gifting because what the, what 1 Corinthians 12 says, um, it says there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Okay. And to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So if you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and you do, then you are gifted. Got it? It's very clear. And to every one, it says a manifestation. That gift will show. But it's not just to put you on show for your sort of promotion. It actually says it's given for the common good. We all need each other. Because this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, goes on to talk about that we're part of a body. And that every, every, every bit of the uh, body's got its part to play, and some are more noticeable than others, but actually the ones that are less noticeable should be elevated in their, their acknowledgement, so to speak. Okay? So, <clears throat> um, and I just want to sort of, uh, touch on one, one, one word that's, that's used a lot in Christianity now, particularly around us, is, is the word honour. Um, because the Bible talks about honouring people, honour each other, honour your mother and father, honour everyone in the world. And so, and it's one of those words I, I hear banded around a lot, but it, I think sometimes we use it in a way that is um, maybe, I'm not sure whether it's fully informed, but it's the word, the Greek word for honour means to value. It's the timeo. So I want, just want to say this, it's how much value do you place on you? This is really important because actually the Bible says you will love your neighbour as you love yourself. So, so if, you, if there's a limitation of how much you value you, then that value will not be demonstrated externally. <clears throat> so what I want to tell you is that God's opinion of you is, is the best one. God has an opinion about you. And he's right. His assessment of you is far better than your assessment of you. So what value did he place on you? That's not a difficult question, folks. If you're a Christian, that's a straightforward question. What value did God place on you personally? Jesus. The answer is his son. Jesus. Jesus died for everyone on planet Earth, all those past, all those present, all those future, he placed exactly the same value on every human being who lives on planet Earth. That's his value system. That's how we can value each other equally. So you can look along the row and say, ah, we've all, all had the same value placed upon us. It takes away the need for comparison. 
or competition of who's the most special, who's the most valuable, who's, who's the most valuable in this environment? We all are. Who's the most powerful in this environment? We all are. <clears throat> it's really, really important. Who's got, who's got the most valuable gift in this environment? Uh, there isn't the, the most, we're all part of the same thing. <clears throat> so I want to turn now to Romans chapter 12, because I hope, hope this will help you understand it. In Romans chapter 12, I'm going over there, read through this quickly. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, or another word for that is service. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a pattern of the world, we mustn't be conformed to it. then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So, what's God's will for your your life like? Good, pleasing and perfect. So, do you want to find it? Because that's the best way. Now, what I want to say, if you try and work out somebody else's will for their life, you're going to get a struggle because that's not your life. There's no good trying to be somebody else. That is frustrating and likely to be far less fruitful than you're meant to be. You are you, and you have a unique purpose in the kingdom of heaven and a unique gifting and characteristic. Okay? For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Okay, so don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, which is actually just think of yourself as equal. It's not thinking of yourself as less. That's, that's another mistake. Because once you think of yourself as less than somebody, you place them higher than you. And they're not meant to do that. <laughs> so, so, this is not saying run yourself down, which is false humility, which is a line that the devil uses time and time again. So, oh, I mustn't think of myself too highly. Think of, think of yourself at the level that, you, that God has dis, dis, distributed to you according to the gifts that you have. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body. Okay? Form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. What saying? We'll, we'll belong together, folks. It's not a distinction. <clears throat> we have different gifts according to the grace given, grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. How about that? There's a gift of encouragement. That's a good gift to ask for. It really is. I remember when I first started to preach regularly, um, I decided I needed to learn by listening to my own sermons, which was a very painful experience. <laughs> and what I realized was I was really good at exhorting people, vision, energy, but not that great at encouragement. I thought, hmm, okay. But I thought, oh, well, here's a good way through. Ask for it. Ask for a gift. I did. I specifically asked for it. And then I practiced it. <clears throat> so you can have a gift of encouragement. How about this? Gift of giving. And give generously. What I say is that, that applies to everyone. It's not just, oh, so, good job. There's five people in our church who got the gift of giving. <laughs> Let's us off the hook. No, that's not what it says. I would suggest we all ask for that gift. 
Got anyone else for that gift? Some of you are not sure. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> there are consequences of asking for that gift. It becomes a delight, though. <clears throat> if it is, now, look at this. If it is to lead, do it diligently. Now, what I want to say, okay, this is very important, very straightforward, very simple, but it's quite profound. So, what is leadership? It's not difficult. It's a gift. not the status it's not some promotional ladder it's a gift therefore it doesn't sit in a superior category it sits amongst all this list leaders are meant to do it diligently and there is a responsibility that goes with it because it's leaders influence and some gifts carry more influence than others and it actually tells me in the Bible that those who teach will be, will be judged a little bit more strictly, <laughs> which keeps me on my toes. Why? Because actually what you do with your gift is important to God because we're meant to be faithful with it. Yeah? But I wanted to say that leadership is a gift and we need to value that gift in the body but not exalt it above all others. It's a gift that helps to create the environment. But without the other gifts, it wouldn't work. Okay, let's have a look and see. Let's keep going, keep going on it. Uh, There we go. Right, verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Can you do that? Practice hospitality. I want to tell you, hospitality is one of the greatest gifts you can have in the church. Without that, things don't work very well. I want to tell you what hospitality is. Hospitality is not limited to those of you who can do a slap-up, six-dinner, six-course banquet, you know, with candles and and everything. Now, I like the people who can do that, and I'm happy 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 to receive the invitations. But, but do you know what? It can be as simple as this, going for a walk with somebody. It can be as simple as having a cup of coffee with somebody. It's actually more about sharing your life. Anybody can do it. Practice hospitality. It's, 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 the, it's the glue that makes community work. And everybody can do it. How we welcome people who come to <coughs> Eastgate. It's a hospitality issue. We need to practice it. We all need to take responsibility for it. It's not just a unique gift. You know, all of us can sit down in a cafe and have a chat with somebody we don't recognise. I know you have to get over the embarrassment of how long have you been coming to Eastgate? Oh, five years. Oops, sorry. <laughs> never, never seen you. Never seen you before. It doesn't matter. It's somebody you don't know. I've got a good way of. The, I have a good introduction. To that. I'm, I always apologise. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't don't remember your name. That's a, that's, a, that's a disarming introduction. I might never have met them before in the first place, but they, you might not remember that. Because so. I don't remember everybody's names, but it's important. And the other side of things, okay, is how many of you would like to meet an angel? Okay. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says this, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. 
For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Woohoo! How many of you like to help the angels park their car? How many of you like to welcome the angels as they walk in through his gate? How many like to give some angels some information on the welcome desk? And if they're not angels, they're just people. That's just as important. These gifts are what make the church tick. And I want, I've, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Uh, it's not, trust me, it's not contrived, but I believe we need to be really strong in that area of hospitality. And of course, that helps. Gift, the gift of helping people is, is really important. And we all need to be good at practicing it. But we do need some help at the moment in Eastgate. To be, to be as strong as we, we actually do need air, help in the areas of, of that whole welcome of the transition of people from the car park into the building at the end of the meeting, who looks, who looks after them. In all those areas of teamwork, we actually, we, we need some help. So we need help in the car parking, uh, the welcoming team, uh, that help people in here, the welcome desk at the end. Now, I'm going to go for a show of hands. Who would be interested in helping with that? If you're interested in that, then just raise your hands because Okay, good. What I'd like you to do, this is your response at the end of the meeting. Liz, you're going to wave your hands? Liz and Bob are over there. They would love to see you because we want to help you enter into that world. Because it's a, sim- it's a simple but profoundly important part of building Eastgate. I can't emphasize too much how important it is when people arrive in our car park, they're met with a smiley face. Now, who should be the first people healing the sick at Eastgate? Car park. Wouldn't it be great if people walk out of their car, you go, hello, and boom, they're healed. Before they even get into Eastgate. That, that, that is an apostolic mission, because you have to be just as apostolic to do the car park here as you do be in the healing centre up here preaching. In, in, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6, where they, they, they distributed food, in order to be qualified to be in charge of distributing food, you had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Probably, you probably needed to multiply it. You might not have thought you've got enough resources. You could look at it with human eyes and say, we haven't got enough food to go around. Say, oh, you know what? We have. Why? That's apostolic eyes. You might say, we haven't got enough car parking space. It's true. Let's shrink some cars or do something. <laughs> Come up with something creative out there to deal with the issue rather than worrying about we haven't got enough car parking spaces. You understand? This, this is, goes throughout a whole environment. Welcoming people. You know, they, when you hug them, boom! Everything happens. They get free. They go to the welcome desk. You've got a word of knowledge for them that suddenly, boom! Breaks open people's lives. This is us being together on an apostolic environment. Not just doing uh, a bit more mundane bits. Hmm. None of it is mundane in the kingdom. None of it is superior. None of it is inferior, and we're about a great work, and we're building something together that has a mandate upon it to feed the nations. We had a prophecy over us in 2004 that we were to carry a Joseph anointing. It is now coming true in greater and greater measure. So last week for the, for the conference here, the Heavenly Healthcare Conference, there was a lady who flew in specifically from South Africa to be the, in the UK to be at our conference. She tagged another meeting on, but her prime cause, I met her in Durban. She, and this, she came here to be here at Eastgate. We got people who wanted to come. We, I remember one time we had a guy who flew in from Los Angeles just to be at our conference. 
We've got people coming. We have people come from France to our healing center. There's people come from everywhere. We are starting to feed the nations. So we have to make sure that our resources are not limited at all in our own mindset. I'm excited. So, value yourself. Value everybody else. No comparison needed. Do what you can. Use your gifts. And then some things, it's just not gifts. It's actually just normal being part of church, family life. I said, you know, most parents don't think they've got the gift of nappy changing, but they do it. It's, it's, not, it's, all, it's all relevant. So I'm going to pray for us. And uh, I'm praying that you're going to have an extraordinary apostolic week ahead of you, okay? Wherever you go. And those of you who put your hands up, I want you to make a beeline over there before you get your coffee, if you could. And actually, Liz and uh, oh, hey, Leslie's over there and Bob, they'd, they'd love to see you because that will real, really help build this thing called Eastgate that is here to change the world. So you want to stand? We'll pray. Wow. King Jesus, we thank you that you are more than amazing. Thank you for your completed work, which means we can carry on with your work through the power of the Holy Spirit inside us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are resident in us, that we are powerful people, that we are gifted people, that we do not lack resources in any way. And we embrace this apostolic assignment that you've placed upon our lives. Wow. Thank you for the opportunity to feed nations. Father, we refuse to see that as a burden. Embrace it as a privilege. Father, I release the power of heaven upon everyone's life in this place right now. In increasing measure, I just release the flow of the river inside everyone. Wow! We pray that every one of us will be world changers this week. That we will step into the world around us and make a difference. Amen.